For many things in life, it takes time and effort before you can see meaningful improvement. But luckily for us, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, and is chef-crafted and ready to go in just two minutes. There are over 35 different options to choose from every week, and it doesn't just stop at lunch or dinner, they also have a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Truly every meal I've had from Factor has been delicious, but most importantly for me, it's beyond easy with no cooking or prep and especially no cleanup. Plus Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved, so I'm saving money and eating healthier even on the days when I don't feel like cooking. If you'd like to get started today and get after your goals, head to factormeals.com lightspeed50 and use code lightspeed50 to get 50% off. That's code LIGHTSPEED50 at factormeals.com slash LIGHTSPEED50 to get 50% off. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamor of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Lightspeed. Hello and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I am Jim Freund, your host. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. In this episode, we will hear The House, The Witch, and Sugarcane Stalks by Amanda Helms, as narrated by Stefan Rudnicki and directed by Allison Bell Views. This work is copyright 2023. Amanda Helms, pronouns she, her, is a biracial black-white fantasy, science fiction, and sometimes horror writer, whose stories have appeared in Faya, Diabolical Plots, Fireside Fiction, and other fine venues. She lives with her family in Colorado. Though all of them are natives, none ski or snowboard, proving that such creatures indeed exist. When not reading or writing, she's likely chasing after her toddler, cooing over cute puppy pictures, or thinking that she really should find more hobbies to list in her bio. Find her at amandahelms.com and on Twitter and Instagram under at Amanda G. Helms. So, get ready to buckle up. We're going to light speed. The House, the Witch, and Sugarcane Stalks by Amanda Helms. 
The house wakes from its somnolence as the witch trudges up the path made of tarts. Through its rock-candy windows, the house scans her figure for any signs of height. The witch's errands in the city make her nervous, and the house, being made of her magic, and therefore of the witch, worries along with her that the wrong person might recognize her, or simply think they do. They say Creoles all look alike, she's said bitter. It astounds the house that the witch could be mistaken for any other but herself, that someone could fail to identify her tightly coiling black hair, her agate eyes, her russet skin as the witches, and the witches alone. Her hair remains neatly tucked under her wrap. Balanced against her hip, she carries a basket full of linen bags, flour and sugar. Though her steps are weary, she's not limping. A successful outing, then. Pleased she's safe, the house opens up its front door and rolls out a rug of pipe pastry. Thank you, house, the witch says and walks in letting the house close its door behind her. Despite the muggy heat that makes the house's pecan praline shingles stick together, the witch doesn't roll up her sleeves till she's set a basket on the single molasses cake table. With a groan, she lifts her skirt to perch on a stool made of brioche. She pulls off her boots, wriggles her toes in their stockings, and frowns. The house flares its brazier in question. Ran into someone I knew once while I was in the city. Got a decision to make now, she grimaces. I keep thinking we ought to leave New Orleans. She doesn't go into why, but from the witch's dreams the house already knows. She presses a hand flat to the brioche wall. Hide for now, yes? It does. It's made of sugar and magic, after all. And like sugar and a glass of water, it appears to dissolve into nothing, but it's still there, just too fine to see. When the house wakes next, the witch is on its roof, prizing off a pecan praline shingle. Once it's loose, rum jelly oozes, filling in the naked spot. Though another praline will grow back by morning, the house rattles its tart-lit shutters and puffs a cloud of meringue from the chimney. Hush now, I've decided. The witch gives it a pat and plucks a few more pralines. We're going to have some company. Displeased, the house blows out more meringue. Never you mind. The witch scurries down the brioche siding, then strides toward the swamp, where towering cypress trees grow, where sometimes the witch has to hiss the secret words to send away an alligator or cottonmouth. The only words she whispers now are those directing the river where to take the pralines and what they should say when they arrive. The house watches anxiously as the witch returns. It knows she can take care of herself, or she wouldn't have been able to create it if she couldn't. But she also created it to keep her safe. And now 
She's inviting strangers to come. It could rattle its praline shingles and let some fall on her head, but considering what she's just taken, the house thinks that it'd rather miss the point. As she goes inside, the witch pulls Callus from the doorframe. Petrolint, the house tries to hold it fast, but more rum jelly strings out as it comes free. Alternating nibbles and hums, the witch stokes the fire for the oven. Gonna need something special for our guests. Molasses cake, maybe. Benets fall from the ceiling. Stop, house, the witch says, sharp. I know you'd like to keep me all to yourself, but I'm needed. Yet her lips pucker, like she's tasted spoiled jelly. It's a bad night for the witch. The house usually rests when the witch is away and when she sleeps, but now it resists the pull of her slumber to keep vigil on her fitful dreams. Now the witch kicks off her blankets and cries out. The house struggles not to let the witch's sleeping magic work its will. It fails. Sugarcane stalks erupt from the nougat floors. In the morning... The witch wakes, grim-faced, unshed tears pooling in her eyes. She hacks and yanks the stalks with such violence the rum jelly takes hours to stop flowing. The guests arrive by raft three nights later, a shuttered lantern lighting their way. The witch stands in the doorway as they come. One man, as old as the witch, wearing a straw hat, his skin a couple shades darker than Heiss, and a young woman carrying a sleeping child. To judge from the tendrils slipping free of her wrap, the woman has dark brown hair and curls looser than the witch's. Her skin is of a similar tone to the witch's, as is her child's. Eyeing the callus and the nougat and the brioche with trepidation, the woman heads into the house with her child. Intending to corner the strangers, the house expands its brioche walls as if they were a dole left to overrise. Subtle like, the witch kicks the doorframe. Mind your manners. If you're hungry, help yourself. House doesn't bite. For the first time, it wishes it had teeth. The woman nibbles handfuls of nougat and brioche. Her eyes widen, and with a smile she jostles her child. Yawning and rubbing her eyes, the child eats some solemnly. Though the girl scoops up rum jelly to suck off her fingers, the house keeps its attention mainly upon the witch and the older man, who curiously opens his arm for an embrace. More curiously... The witch accepts. Very kind of you to do this, the man says. It's just a night, uh, then I'll take them to the next station, and they'll switch conductors. A pause. Will I find you again? The witch pauses longer, still deciding. A body gets used to being safe. The man, conductor, keeps his expression shuttered. Well, we appreciate whatever help you give, even if this is the last. The witch remains silent, 
The house can't help itself. It sighs out a satisfactory meringue. A cough. But, uh, meaning no disrespect, Agnes, why is your house like this? The conductor gestures to the nougat, the beignets, some petty fours arrayed on a tray. In irritation, the house lets its nougat around the conductor's feet melt. Grimacing, he lifts his feet to a less sticky spot. You made it. Couldn't it be uh, different? Affronted, the house allows a stale beignet to fall on the conductor's head. They're a little harder than the fresh ones. The man lets out a quiet, oof, while the witch purses her lips. She does not apologize for the beignet. True. House could be anything I got a mind to cook or bake. Then maybe the sugar canes. She exhales, cheeks puffing out like popovers. It might go easier on me if I had made the house of something else. Cornbread and gator fritters, maybe. Her back straightens, and though the conductor is more than a foot taller than the witch, he slouches back. But then I think, no. They took my home and my family from me, everything. But this food, I made it mine. Like house is mine. Stayed mine even when they made me go cut cane instead of cooking. She lifts her chin as remembered fury and fear shadow her dark eyes into black. They don't get to take it, too. She relaxes and the power that had been crackling under the surface, set to grow like air bubbles in yeasted dough, relaxes with her. Sides, ain't no pralines like mine this side of the Mississippi, or on the other either. You gonna tell me different? With a flash of white teeth, the conductor tips his hat. Tastiest message I ever got. So, no ma'am, I sure ain't. Yet, for all her bravado, the witch's conversation with the conductor must have shaken her, for it's another sugarcane night. The witch thrashes alone on her nougat bed while the stalks rise around her, forming a cage. The house thrashes with her best it can. Nougat goes runny and beignets fall from the ceiling in a shower the house hopes will knock down the stalks. It's forced to stop for fear of burying the witch. The conductor scrambles up from the corner near the stove where he'd been sleeping. Agnes! Trampling beignets underfoot, he shoves through the sugar cane and does what the house could never do. He wakes the witch. She's weeping, and where her tears hit the nougat, they pearl into caramel. The man waves at the young woman and child, peering down from the loft where they slept. I got this. He helps the witch out of the sugarcane cage, and together they remove the stalks. I still dream about it too sometimes, he says when they've finished. Habitation, Heidel. The witch says nothing, but she squeezes his hand. Soon as nightfall comes again, the conductor and his passengers are on their way. The witch watches the swamp, 
long after the light of their shuttered lantern fades from view. The house considers. It shimmies from its tartlet shutters to its brioche siding, and finally to its roof. The witch catches the praline in midair. You know, I was thinking the same thing. The broadness of her smile makes the house's fire blaze. Little company might be nice. Welcome back. You've been listening to Stefan Rudnicki performing The House, The Witch, and Sugarcane Stalks by Amanda Helms. He was directed by Allison Bell Buse. Stefan Rudnicki is a Grammy-winning audiobook producer and an award-winning narrator who has won several audio awards, as well as more than 25 earphones awards and been named one of Audiophile's Golden Voices. Stefan has been producing Lightspeed Magazine podcasts since 2010, eventually adding Nightmare and Fantasy Magazine and sharing the Hugo Awards for Best Prosine in 2014 and 2015. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Our editor is John Joseph Adams, and this podcast is copyright 2023 by Adamant Press. As a listener to this podcast, you know that we publish it and most of the rest of our content for free online. If you don't already support our Hugo Award-winning journal, please consider checking out our many options, including ebook subscriptions and recurring patronage at lightspeedmagazine.com slash support. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. Our music and sound logos were composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? (laughs) Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.